3: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, February 16th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Unemployment is low, job openings are high, but the search for work is far from easy. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, reports on producer prices, home building, and consumer sentiment are out today. Let's break them down with the help of Paul Christopher, head of Global Investment Strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Paul, thank you for joining us today, and let's begin with the producer price index, uh, the second read on inflation this week that, uh, that missed analyst expectations, came in higher than what economists were expecting. Is this uh, merely a bump in the road on the way to the soft landing, or could inflation be flaring up once again?
2: Well, inflation is is kind of sticky right now. And uh, if you're going to have a soft landing, that means the economy isn't going to slow down by a lot, not going to have a recession. And without a recession, you really don't get that slowdown in spending. And without the slowdown in spending, you're really not going to see inflation come down very fast. So, uh, you know, you kind of have to have logically a a soft landing with a little bit higher inflation. Markets seem okay with that. They seem okay with the idea that the Fed might wait a little longer to cut rates. But if the Fed were to raise rates, that would be a whole different story. We don't think that's the the risk yet, but that would be something for investors to watch.
3: If wholesale prices uh, accelerated just a little bit in the month of January, does that mean uh, that will eventually be passed along to the consumer and that the uh, CPI that we saw in January could be repeated in February?
2: Not necessarily. What we're see, what we seeing in the recent, oh, let's say 12 months, maybe 15 months, uh, is that as inflation has slowed from, let's say, near 9 percent down to around 3 percent, that a lot of firms have lost the ability to quickly pass along price increases to consumers. And that's not the case everywhere, but especially in goods. So automobiles, uh, other durable goods, toasters, refrigerators, uh, TVs, all of those uh, are, are much, much harder to pass along those price increases. What firms are doing instead is cutting costs elsewhere. You've seen probably some
3: layoff notices. Let's look at uh, the home building seeing its biggest drop since April of 2020. Uh, Home building activity dropping significantly in the month of January and how much of that is related to interest rates and how much of that is related to the uh, rather cold uh, weather we had in the month of January.
2: Yeah, I'll take the second one, please. <laughs> uh, seasonal factors that, that, that are applied to these numbers as they come in uh, can't really account for a, a January that might be particularly colder than usual or colder than the average seasonal effect. So, yes, the, the strong cold in January was very likely the culprit. Look, in terms of interest rates, they've come down a little bit. Mortgage rates still aren't cheap. But they're not 8 percent anymore. They're closer to six, six and a half. So there's still a lot of demand for mortgages out there and for building. We just think that uh, there's a a little bit of a lull there for the cold weather.
3: And just just when you think the data is pointing in a particular direction, uh, another number comes in to uh, knock your narrative into a cocked hat. And that would be the reading on consumer sentiment up once again. So the consumer is still feeling uh, pretty good or at least better about the state of the economy
2: yeah that's right, and so these these indicators that we get that look disappointing or where the market sells off for a day or two uh, they need to be compared against uh, the the indicators that show more strength and and we think that is the path forward. We think the economy's trajectory this year will kind of look like a saucer uh, where it will gradually slow into a pivot point probably sometime around the middle of the year and then reaccelerate. That should be good for equities and it should be good uh, for for bond
3: prices. Paul Christopher, head of Global Investment Strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, navigating an increasingly complicated job market. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The employment market looks solid, but that doesn't mean it's easy to find a job. Let's discuss the current situation with Jason Wachtel, managing partner, J.W. Michaels & Company, based in Chicago. Jason, thank you for joining us today. The uh, unemployment rate is still at historic lows, and you don't see any signs of trouble or mass layoffs in the uh, weekly announcement of first-time unemployment claims. But it seems like, Jason, the anecdotes aren't necessarily matching the data.
4: Yes, it's still a very robust job market, but... Where we were during COVID, during the Great Resignation, and where we are now, there's been some fundamental changes. The, the uncertainty of the economy has made companies slower their hiring process, maybe interview more candidates, a little bit more restrictive on compensation, and being much more cautious in hiring. So the markets still remain strong. But the process remains longer, companies are definitely hesitating, and the offers that are made are not as strong as they were during the Great Resignation.
3: So maybe this is just a perception issue where you had people who were going into the job market in 2020 and 2021 during that Great Resignation when they could basically ask for anything and get it, and now they're hearing no, and maybe the vibes are off.
4: Yes, at J.W. Michaels during the great resignation you, if you wanted a 40% raise a lot of companies would do it they'd offer extra vacation times they were catering towards the employees they were trying to hire but the shoe has definitely gone on the other foot now where it really still is now the employer is the one who's sort of dictating so people cannot be demanding what they were demanding a few years ago because now there's other there's many more people in the job market looking for jobs and companies are, are a little more cautious than they were a year
3: or two ago. We're talking to Jason Wachtel, manager partner of jw michaels and company based in chicago about the uh, current job market so that means uh, if you are looking or you want to look or you have been laid off and you are looking uh, y- your odds of landing a job are still pretty good but the idea of the 40 percent raise or, or or asking for and demanding and getting a hospital bed in your office uh, that's not going to happen this time around
4: that, that that is correct especially the hospital bed in your office um, it is a strong market Outside of technology, if you're in a technologist or work for a technology company, that area still hasn't come back yet. Um, But in other areas where you thought you'd get a job in a week or two, it's more like months. And if you were getting that 30 or 40% raise, it may be a 10 or 15% raise with a lot of upside. So the process is taking longer. The comps are not as strong, but it's still a very good job market. However, if you were in the technology sector, that area has still had a hard time coming back from where it was pre-COVID.
3: What are some things that you could do potentially to uh, to, to weather this particular situation? Uh, 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 Situation in the job market. I mean, obviously, uh, you can't name your price like you could three or four years ago. But is it simply a matter of uh, uh, packing your patience and and working that uh, that employee network extra hard?
4: Yeah, I think it's a combination of all things. It, you know, like anything, sometimes now you might have to have a couple more balls in the air before. Maybe if you're applying for a job in previously during the Great Resignation, you would only apply to one or two jobs, maybe that number seven or eight at this point, using your network, as you mentioned, um, employee, former employees, former uh, people working at different companies, networking, using recruiting firms, um, being more diligent on your follow-up, um, which is also extremely important, and making sure you're ready for those interviews, because now there's much more competition and much more scrutiny. And so before maybe you made a mistake during the interviewing process, now that could eliminate you. So you've got to make sure you know you're on point when it comes to the questions you're asking during the interviewing process. And
3: when you enter into that process, I mean, there are a lot of people telling their own personal stories, and sometimes those stories can be discouraging. So how much should you rely on people's personal stories Posted on LinkedIn or or reviews on Glassdoor. Should you uh, take those under consideration or should you tune them out?
4: Listen, you always should take everything under consideration, but for every bad glass door review you have of somebody saying, I've been looking for 10 months, no one got back to me, or I've been unemployed for a year, there's 10 other stories of some people finding a job in a week or two. So you always got to take everything with a grain of salt, but you shouldn't be distracted by the noise regardless. Your job search is your job search. You need to focus. You need to be diligent. You need to network, um, and you need to have incredible follow-up when you're going through the interviewing process, regardless of what you're reading in the news.
3: Jason Wachtel, Managing Partner, J.W. Michaels & Company in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, it's the time of year for a favorite Chicago non-meat sandwich. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's the first Friday of Lent, and that means many Chicagoans are looking for an alternative to meat. Among those providing an option is our guest, Joe Buona III, owner of Buona Beef, with uh, many locations throughout the Chicago area, uh, based in Berwyn. Joe, thank you for joining us today. And, and one thing that really kind of jumped out at me, like reading about the history of quick service food, is the degree to which Lent has been a, an, a driver of innovation uh, in your particular space. I mean, McDonald's developed the filet of fish uh, basically because a franchisee in Cincinnati said, uh, we're losing business on Fridays. And was that a similar story for the Italian beef purveyors in Chicago?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, You nailed it on the head. So, I mean, this started back in the eighties when uh, my father, uncles and grandfather started the original location in Berwyn, Illinois. Uh, They saw, you know, a slight decrease in sales on Fridays during Lent. And then the the pepper and egg creation was, uh, was invented. So we make ours, uh, you know, true to true to the roots of the pepper and egg. We do um, fresh eggs, um, sauteed sweet peppers, salt, pepper, and then a little bit of garlic and Parmesan cheese. So it's an excellent option. Eggs are folded, not scrambled. It's really great. I had one on Ash Wednesday. Absolutely out of this world.
3: And what was the response to the pepper and egg sandwich? What was that like uh, in the early going? Did did people uh, take to it immediately?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, they did. So, you know, even people that don't observe, uh, you know, the Lenten uh, calendar, um, they love it as well so you know it's not uncommon for us to run through 25 or so pans a day per location
3: and how much uh, how, how did you how did they come across uh, pepper and egg sandwiches was this part of a, a separate tradition or a different uh, a different dish and then all of a sudden they said hey this is a a great way to uh, to make up for any any business we could lose on Fridays in Lent?
0: yeah well like at home peppers and egg is is pretty common in Italian households and naturally having an italian beef shop it was just natural to put it on a piece of french bread you know and then serve it uh to the guests liking if they wanted cheese or cheese or or hot peppers or whatever it may be um we were able to accommodate them and it was a very low cost item back in the day um you know so uh so yeah it took off right away and uh, it's, uh, it's a permanent staple on our menu during lunch.
3: We're talking pepper and egg sandwiches with Joe Buona, the third owner of Buona Beef. Uh, got its start in Berwyn, but now it's basically everywhere uh, in the Chicago area. <laughs> now, anecdotally, I, mean, I, think, I think a lot of observant Christians kind of bounce back and forth on Fridays. Do you go the pepper and egg sandwich route or do you go the fish fry, fish fry route? I mean, what, what do you hear uh, when people come in?
0: Yeah. Well, when people come in for us, you know, we added the vegan beef sandwich. So that's also a meatless option for them on Fridays. You know, you could do pepper and egg in a bowl. You could do a vegan, uh, we do a vegan beef bowl. Um, You know, we have salads that are made with that that are meatless. In addition, we have pizzas at most of our locations that also offer options for, for guests. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're hitting the ground running this Lent season. And uh, I just left one of our stores in Chicago in Streeterville and, uh, pepper and egg was moving uh, quite nicely.
3: Joe Bona the third, owner of Bona Beef in Berwyn, uh, it started there. You can find it all over the Chicago area now. Uh, also, uh, in, in, more often than not, paired up with a uh, rainbow cone. Uh, so check it out today. Still ahead, in Entrepreneur Friday: the sacrifices and determination that it takes to make a better life. <laughs> the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden has reacted to reports of the death of Vladimir Putin critic Alexei Navalny in a Russian prison. We'll have the latest coming up at a CBS News special report. New details are revealed about a lawsuit targeting a former Chicago police superintendent. It's Entrepreneur Friday overcoming a series of hurdles to become the author of a book about how you can turn your life around. It's Easter. Bunny season, and there's a lot more to it than you might think. WBBM business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 22 points. The NASDAQ is down 57, and the SP 500 is down 3. 30 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies, topping out at 33 today. We have some snow south of Chicago. It's 12
5: CBS News special report U.S. reaction to the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny has been fast and to the point. Make no mistake. Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Putin is responsible. President Biden within the past hour. What has happened to Navalny is yet more proof of Putin's brutality. Mr. Biden says Navalny could have lived safely in exile, but chose to stay in Russia instead. He bravely stood up uh, to the corruption, the violence, and the, the, all, the, all the bad things that the Putin government was doing. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. For more than a decade, Russian government, Putin, have persecuted, poisoned, and imprisoned Alexei Navalny. And now, the reports of his death. Navalny was serving a 19-year sentence in an Arctic penal colony. Prison officials say his cause of death is, quote,
3: being established. CBS News Special Report. I'm Peter King. A new court filing accuses former Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson of more inappropriate behavior than what we already been included in a sexual harassment lawsuit against him. The details from WBBM's Bernie Tafoya.
5: Police officer Cynthia Donald had been Superintendent Eddie Johnson's driver and part of his security detail and filed a lawsuit more than three years ago against him. According to the Sun-Times, a new court filing includes information from a close friend of Donald. The friend says Donald never had consensual sex with Johnson, unlike how Johnson portrays the relationship, and that he took advantage of her because of his title. The friend says Donald was frightened. The court filing also indicates the former top cop admits texting Donald a picture of his private parts at her urging, but the Donald's friend says Donald was disgusted by the text. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio, 105.9, double to BBM. Hey,
3: it's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are lower this afternoon. Let's join by, we're joined now by Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Hugh Johnson Economics, based in Albany. Hugh, thank you for joining us today. And this week, Hugh, has been bookended by two reports that suggest that the uh, fight against inflation is still ongoing.
6: Yes, it is. Uh, the, the numbers this week came in, uh, both the consumer price index above expectations, and now today we had the producer price index above expectations. What everybody had hoped for, crossed their fingers quite frankly, is that you'd see a decline in the year-over-year rate of inflation uh, for the month of January versus the month of December. We didn't see that. We actually saw either it be unchanged or up a little bit. So this was overall a disappointing, uh, a disappointing week, certainly on the inflation side. And suggests to a lot of investors that indeed the Federal Reserve is not going to be very aggressive uh, if at all in reducing short term interest rates. most of us had expected uh, fairly significant increases or decreases in interest rates in the latter part of the say the second quarter, and now it looks like that might not be forthcoming. Uh, We might have to wait longer to see interest rate cuts from the Federal Reserve.
3: Obviously, the CPI and the PPI just measure uh, increases in sectors and in various goods versus services and individual categories. Mm -hmm. It does not measure sentiment. But is it possible uh, in the last month or so that uh, the economy is still strong? And consumers are willing to pay, and so maybe there's there's a temptation to uh, uh, maybe raise prices just a little bit and take advantage of that hot consumer market.
6: Yeah, that's right. Business has been pretty good. And because business is pretty good, companies are not averse from raising prices. And when you take a look at the consumer confidence numbers, it appears as though uh, consumers are just generally taking it in their stride. However, you also saw some numbers this week. The uh, retail sales numbers, in particular, for the month of January, which showed that we saw an actual decline, a bigger decline than expected in retail sales. So maybe uh, the higher interest rates are are starting to take a bite. Uh, Maybe higher inflation is starting to take a bite. Maybe, indeed, we might see what has been called or referred to as a soft landing or a real slowdown in the economy in the first and second quarters. The numbers we saw this week were for just the month of January. They were not particularly encouraging. They didn't say good things about consumer spending. But again, it's only the first month of the quarter You've got to wait and look at the February and the March numbers before you reach any conclusion. I guess
3: if you want to use the soft landing analogy, I think a lot of people, and I, 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 my, my, I was guilty of this too, in believing that maybe the the plane was already on the ground and taxiing to the gate, but uh, maybe we're just on final approach, and this is a little bit of turbulence as uh, as you head to the airport.
6: Yeah, you, you could think to see that, and uh, and the reason I say that is. The index of leading economic indicators, indicators that tend to lead the economy or tell us where we're going, not where we've been. have been down or have contracted for now 22 successive months, and it looks like we're going to get the 23rd month for the month of January. So those numbers are telling us that, indeed, the economy may slow to a soft landing or maybe something worse. Maybe we'll have a recession. Maybe it's just been delayed for a long time. I wouldn't reach that conclusion because, Uh, the, The numbers still are okay. They're not great. They're slowing down a little bit. Don't like the retail sales numbers that we saw this week. Don't like the industrial production numbers we saw this week. But nevertheless, I wouldn't go so far as to conclude that maybe we're headed towards a hard landing or a recession. I still think the economy is simply slowing and that the inflation numbers for just one month. And I think you've got to look at it just one month. Uh, we're not particularly encouraging. In time, those inflation numbers will resume their decline. We'll see declines in the rate of inflation, at least in my judgment.
3: Hugh Johnson, chairman and chief investment officer of Hugh Johnson Economics in Albany, New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next on Entrepreneur Friday, we meet a lawyer and author who offers a different perspective on life. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the
2: wrong
5: place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
3: Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're looking at taking charge of your life and using positivity to move forward. We welcome in Brian Thomas, founder and lawyer of Thomas Law and author of the new book, The Privilege Race, a guide to overcoming negative voices and influences coming out on on March 12th. Brian, thank you for joining us today. And one thing I've noticed uh, in doing the Entrepreneur Friday segment, and this is a through line that connects everybody who is in the entrepreneurial space, is that you have to believe that you can do it. And that sometimes can be a very difficult conclusion to arrive at.
1: Absolutely, Rob. Thanks for having me on, first of all. Uh, and of course, it's difficult, especially when you trip and fall. Right. Because being an entrepreneur, every day is different. And there's many times where you fall over, you make a mistake. And ultimately, the goal when that happens is then to get up and start over again. And, right. And, and learn something from that failure or, and, or that mistake.
3: And Brian, this book is an exploration of your own life, your own upbringing, and uh, basically how you watched your parents raise you and, and provide the opportunities that you had to succeed. And and, and that kind of taught you uh, to, 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 to know that you can do it and to ignore the voices that say you can't.
1: Absolutely. I mean, my parents were or are the hardest working people that I know. And, you know, they moved us to Elmhurst, Illinois. They wanted us to you know, have a great education. So they moved us out there and they worked their tails off. And, you know, because of that, I have the opportunity to be here with you today. If, if they didn't make the decisions that they made in the 70s, I wouldn't be sitting here where I am today. And my children certainly wouldn't be sitting where they are. Your so da- I'm very grateful for them
3: your dad's black your mom's white you moved to the Correct. suburbs in the 1970s and that was a, a very you know fraught and tense time in the history of this region and did you know growing up uh, that 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 you were kind of an, in a unique situation or uh, did your parents kind of keep that away from you
1: no we I mean we we definitely knew people told us that we were in a unique situation. Um, you know, but it was also a great situation, to be quite honest. You, everything that's that. And trust me, there was a lot of bad. Right. I'm, I'm not saying that it was easy, but then there was also a lot of good. I've definitely made friends, have relationships that date back to Elmhurst. I still love Elmhurst. I don't live there anymore, but I still love and and in love with Elmhurst because of all the because of all the opportunities and experiences that I had there.
3: We're talking to Brian Thomas, founder and lawyer of Thomas Law, author of the new book "The Privilege Race: A Guide to Overcoming Negative Voices and Influences," coming out on March 12th. When you decided to use all of these experiences or put pen to paper and 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 incorporate these experiences uh, into your book, uh, what were some key lessons that you learned growing up, uh, also from your parents and uh, from your own experiences as a father in 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 in, in teaching this overall lesson about drowning out? those negative voices
1: well you know i think the best experience that i had i'm a kidney transplant patient so i had one when i was 13 and another one when i was 32 so my mother especially really kind of kept me um protected right and because she wanted to protect the kidney of course doctors my father everyone around around me wanted to protect me and but the problem with that is after hearing that for decades to protect yourself I end up living my life fragile. And I noticed that a couple of years ago. And now, you know, now that I know that that's kind of in my subconscious, that I'm fragile because of this, now I'm trying to zig rather than zagging, right? Like I'm, I'm not doing what I would normally do because I don't want to be, I don't want to limit myself, right? I want to do things and live my life, the, the life that I want to live. And, and and that's what the book Suggests to everyone that everyone has this limiting voice that's telling them they can't do something, and I'm telling people trying to wake them, you know, wake them up from that and say you can do
3: it. Now, let's say uh, before your head hits the pillow at night, uh, you are running through the things you'd like to do, but you just keep telling yourself, "I can't do that for 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 various reasons." Uh, very quickly, Brian, what's what's one way you could tell those voices to uh, to scram?
1: Really, by just getting up and doing it. And, but that's the thing, right? If, if, if the thing you want to do is to run a marathon, don't go out and run a marathon tomorrow, right? But put those shoes on and go run a block, right? And then build upon that. And then over time, before you know it, you'll be at that marathon, just like writing this book. You know, it was one sentence at a time, one day at a time, one paragraph at a time. And then, you know, over time, a book is created. So, You know, we can create our lives by just doing taking little steps and being consistent with them over and over and over.
3: Brian Thomas, founder and lawyer, uh, fi- founder of Thomas Law, author of the new book, The Privilege Race A Guide to Overcoming Negative Voices and Influences, comes out next month. Fridays, all in February, we're celebrating Black History Month on the noon business hour as we shine a light on inspiring black entrepreneurs, their groundbreaking businesses, and how their work is impacting communities and neighborhoods across Chicago. Listen each week this month to discover the diverse landscape of black owned businesses making a difference. Learn more by clicking the banner at the top of our website, WBBMNewsRadio.com. Coming up next, a visit with the Easter Bunny. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. We're now in Easter season, and that means a certain special rabbit will be seen in shopping malls, park districts, community centers, and other public places. Let's learn more about the star of those activities from Mitch Allen, founder and head elf of HireSanta.com, based in Dallas. Mitch, thank you for joining us today, and uh, because the business is called Hire Santa Dot com, and we normally talk uh, during the holiday season. Clearly, the fact that we're talking about Easter Bunny helpers means uh, uh, you, you have pivoted and uh, moved on to other holidays besides Christmas.
7: Uh, yes, well, I'm happy to hop on in today and talk mm-hmm. about Easter Bunny. Yes, <laughs> we definitely do, you know, many of our clients, uh, uh, whether it be country clubs or uh, uh Companies want to have an Easter event, and so they've asked us to uh, provide Easter bunny mascot uh, entertainers. And so, yes, we started doing that a number of years ago, though it's still a small percentage of what we do.
3: So the Easter bunny mascot uh, cannot talk. So normally they are accompanied by a mother goose to uh, interpret uh, <laughs> what, what the children want. So does that mean, does that mean your, your, your Easter bunny mascots, do they have to be more physically expressive? Do they have to be uh, a, a little more like a mime as opposed to a, a, a Santa helper who is uh, very gregarious and, and looks the part?
7: Yeah, exactly right. Uh, our, our, Easter Bunny uh, entertainers, uh, they're mascots. And just like uh, for professional teams, and many of our entertainers are professional mascots with with, uh, sports teams, you have to express what you're saying with your hands and not with uh, the words that you're saying. Uh, And most of the time, um, you know, what we're wanting at Easter is just to get a picture, that iconic picture with the Easter Bunny with their child, as well as help with the uh, Easter egg hunts that many times go along with community events or events that we're staffing.
3: How does uh, the the your Easter Bunny helper or Easter Bunny mascot business or entertainer business, how does that stack up uh, to, to Santa's helpers? I mean, is it a small percentage or is it an increasing percentage?
7: Uh, it's a relatively small percentage, and I'd say it's about 5% of what we do. Uh, is Easter. And one of the reasons for that is it's such a limited window. Really people only want uh, Easter bunnies we- Easter weekend and the weekend before that. So there's really about four prime days for Easter Bunny entertainment as opposed to Santa which starts the first November uh, first Saturday in November and goes through Christmas Day.
3: And I would imagine also in this situation the competition is uh, uh, because the Easter Bunny doesn't talk it's like oh well we have an employee who can fit in the suit <laughs> and 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 that's all we need and 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 I'm guessing your Easter Bunny entertainers are one level above that.
7: Totally right. The our back, our entertainers are background checked and insured, as well as the quality of our suits. You know, our suits cost over a thousand dollars a piece. Uh, these are the the same suits that we send to malls and other places. Uh, they look fantastic. They don't look weird or strange. You know, you look on the internet and you can find plenty of Easter Bunny pictures that have a little cringe uh, in their in their nature.
3: Mitch Allen, founder and head elf of HireSanta.com in Dallas. Thank you for joining us today talking about uh, hiring the Easter Bunny. If you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours